Shalom, shalom. Welcome, welcome, world changers. Tonight is going to be another interesting night. Didn't we have it like an awesome night last night talking about Elijah? That's an awesome story. Tonight, I'm going to be talking about Micaiah and also getting into several other chapters after that. Now, Micaiah is, I believe, a very underrated prophet. A uh, couple really good lessons that everybody should know very well about the story of Micaiah. I'm going to be comparing 1 Kings chapter 22 with 2 Chronicles chapter 18. After the reading of those chapters, I will continue reading 2 Chronicles chapters 19 through 23. So uh, it's going to be an interesting and very informative night tonight, packed with scripture and I'm sure we're going to have some great fellowship as well. Uh, speaking of that, thank you very much for the likes, everyone. Uh, if you if you like what we're doing today, make sure you like the, the video. Give it a thumbs up. I want you guys to pay attention because this is an awesome story. Okay, this is... Hey, if I could, if I could get a hold of of every believer out there, anybody it doesn't matter whether they consider themselves a Christian or not, especially the Christians, and just say, listen to this story and seriously consider the lessons that we can learn from this. First Kings chapter twenty-two. Now three years passed without war between Syria and Israel. Then it came to pass in the third year that Jehoshaphat or Jehoshaphat the king of Judah went down to visit the king of Israel. So we know the king of Israel is Ahab or Ahab. Okay, so um, Second Chronicles 18 says something similar to that. Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance. Now, that's a little bit of extra details there. And by marriage, he allied himself with Ahab or Ahab, the king of Israel. Uh, after some years, so it doesn't give us the exact years in First uh, Kings, it does three years. Um, after some years, he went down to visit Ahab or Ahab in Samaria. And Ahab killed sheep and oxen in abundance for him and the people who were with him and persuaded him to go up with him to Ramoth Gilead. Okay. Verse 3, let's go back over to 1 Kings chapter 22. Let's, now, pay attention, guys. Pay attention really, really closely here because this is an awesome story. And the king of Israel said to his servants, Do you know that Ramoth Gilead is ours? So this is, this is Ahab. It's amazing how it doesn't really name Ahab or Ahab in 1 Kings. It does in 2 Chronicles 18, but not 1 Kings. Just calls him the king of Israel. The king of Israel said to his servants, Do you know that Ramoth Gilead is ours? But we hesitate to take it out of the hand of the, of the king of Syria. So he said to Jehoshaphat, Will you go up? Will you go with me to fight at Ramoth Gilead? Okay, so he's trying to make, um, he's trying to basically, um, what would you call it? Strike an allegiance with Jehoshaphat uh, so that both. Ahab, Ahab, and Jehoshaphat go up together to take Ramoth Gilead. I guess the king of Israel must have a little bit of uh, inkling within him thinking, uh, I don't know if I can do this all by myself. I'm, I'm not really too sure about this. I want, I want to get the help of uh, King Jehoshaphat as well. Uh, and you'll see a little bit later, if you don't know the story, you'll see why he's like this. Um, okay, so Second Chronicles 
18.3, so Ahab, king of Israel, said to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, will you go up with me against Ramoth-Gilead? Yeah, pretty much... Uh, pretty much the same. Verse 4, uh, the last part of verse 4 in 1 Kings chapter 22, Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am I am as you are, my people as your people. Ah, so they're like, they're like, hey, yeah, we're together, we're a team. My horses as your horses. Also, Jehoshaphat said to the, to the king of Israel, please inquire for, for the Lord, uh, for the word of the Lord today. Oh, Jehoshaphat here has a little bit of sense, a little bit of sense here, okay? A little bit more sense than uh, Ahab has, okay? So this is the first thing, is that Jehoshaphat actually thought, you know what, we better we better make sure that God's on our side here before we even try doing this. Let's make sure that we're going to be successful. Second uh, Chronicles 18, the last part of verse 3, and he answered him, uh, this is Jehoshaphat, I am as you are and my people as your people. We will be with you in the war. Also, Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, please inquire for the word of the Lord today. Good thinking there, Jehoshaphat. Okay, so notice, inquire for the word of the Lord. Okay, not just any word, not just, you know, going to the... Going, you know, getting your local, uh, you know, fortune told or something. This is the, the word of the Lord here. Okay? The word of the Lord. 1 Kings chapter 22, verse 6. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men. Now, in the footnotes by the word, uh, by the phrase, the prophets, it says here, 1 Kings 22, 6. The false prophets. Um, so that's interesting. In the footnotes, it would put that in there. The false prophets. Um, now, it does. It wouldn't say that. It, it seems like it doesn't say that in the original. In the original, it's just that they kind of put that in the in the footnotes, where it's like the prophets um, are the false prophets. Uh, but they didn't think of that as being false prophets back in those days. Second Chronicles eighteen. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, 400 men. Okay? So they're all, both uh, First Kings 22 and Second Chronicles 18 are both uh, in agreement here. We have prophets, assumingly people, prophets who are going to tell the kings the word of the Lord today. 400 of them. How many prophets do you need? How many prophets do you need to have to get the word of the Lord, okay? I mean, that's 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 something. Take note of that. Four hundred. I call it the four hundred club. Are you are you part of the four hundred club? Well, you don't want to be. I'll, I'll I'll tell you that in a moment. Here, uh, we'll get as we read this uh, story. You'll figure it out. Well, you don't want to be part of the four hundred club. Unfortunately, and this is this is this is really one of the points of of this story. Today, in the world today, the vast majority of the Christian church is part of the 400 Club, I believe, okay? Because they're all speaking in the name of the Lord. They're all, they're all giving the word of the Lord according to, you know, the word. In the name of the Lord, they're basically speaking for God. You know, pastors and evangelists and television preachers and bishops and priests. 
every church leader you can imagine. Now, I'm not saying 100% of them all across the board, okay? I mean, there is, there are a few, a very, very rare few that are not part of this club. But you don't want to be part of the 400 club, okay? You don't want to be part of the 400 club. But why gather 400? Why gather 400 prophets? Isn't one enough? Two or three at the most? Why 400? 400. Yeah, okay. Gather 400 prophets. Where did they get all these prophets anyway? I mean, what, did they, what happened? Like, was there like some school they all graduated from or what happened here? 400 prophets. And they said to them, and so all these 400, all these 400 prophets, they gathered up and they said to them, shall I, shall I go against Ramoth Gilead to fight or shall I refrain? Okay. Okay. So they're trying to get the word of the Lord here. They're trying to get a word from God. Shall we, now notice in Kings, it says I, and in second Chronicles, it says we, I think we makes more sense. Actually, you know what? It says we up here, but I down here. Interesting. Uh, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or shall I refrain? Okay, well, again, Jehoshaphat had a good idea to inquire of the Lord why they pulled up 400 prophets. I'm not sure. So, 1 Kings 22, last part of verse 6. So they said, go up. Okay, now, now pay attention to how these prophets prophesied because we have so much of this happening today. Please hear me out on this. This is this is this is a vital lesson for every one of you to to to, uh, um, to understand. We have so many of these prophets today. They said, "Go up, for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king." Right, Second Chronicles eighteen, the last part of verse five says. Uh, so they said, "Go up, for the for God will deliver it into the king's hand." In other words, you, God's on your side. Okay, God's on your side. You got the victory, Ahab. You got the victory, Jehoshaphat. God is on your side. God loves you and he has a plan for you. He 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 doesn't want you to be defeated. You know where I'm going with this, right? You know where I'm going with this. And it's true. 400 prophets, not one of them said, those who are part of the 400 club, that is, not one of them said, oh, you know what? No, uh, God's not with you. God's not with you. You guys need to repent. Repent of your sin. You guys need to get right with God. You, you guys need to come back in line with Torah. Not one of them said that. They're all like, God, you know, God's got, uh, God's got, got your back. You know, God is for you and not against you. God loves you so much. You know, you will not be defeated. You got the victory. It's like, name it and claim it. You got it. Jesus is with you. Everything you do, he's by your side. God is with you. You will be successful in life. Oh, yeah? You know what I'm saying, right? You know what I'm saying? If these were true prophets, they should have not. They should not have said this. Because God wasn't with them. Just like how so many pastors, so many so-called prophets, so many bishops, so many church leaders today, they're all like, you know, oh, God loves, God accepts you. Well, uh, excuse me? Excuse me? 
Read the scriptures. What God are you serving? The golden calf, Jesus? What is it? You're part of the 400 Club. You're part of the 400 Club. Oh, God doesn't want anything bad. God, God, you know, nothing bad will happen to you. It will all be all right. Ahab, Jehoshaphat, kings, king of Israel, king of, king of Judah. God's with you. Oh, God's with you. He will never leave you. Okay? That's the 400 club for you. Verse 7 of 1 Kings 22. And Jehoshaphat said, now notice this. Is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? So Jehoshaphat, he had this kind of, again, he had, just like how Ahab earlier, Ahab, he, he had this little inkling in him like, well, maybe I need help here. There's something about this that I just don't feel 100% secure in. I think I need to get Jehoshaphat's help here. And Jehoshaphat here says the same kind of thing. Wait a second. You got, you got 400 as if that's not enough. Did you forget one? Maybe there's one. Maybe we need a 401st opinion. Maybe there's one more you missed, King Ahab. Is there one more? I know 400 prophets said that that God's with us and we're going to get the victory and God gives it gives the city into our hands and all that good, fluffy, wonderful, flowery stuff, you know. But perhaps there's there's some there's there's somebody out there that may have a another another view or another word. As evil as Jehoshaphat was, he had some he had some wisdom here. He had he had a feeling within him, and he, I think he knew probably that. Hey, you know, what? I'm not really right with God, and especially Ahab, especially Ahab. Why would he even team bump with Ahab? I'm not sure, but um, mm, 400 prophets all said the same thing. I mean, you know what? A lot of people today, I know Christians today, especially those involved in charismatic churches and such, you know, they have pastors or evangelists or so-called prophets come to their church and, and prophesy over them and it's just one of them, just one so-called prophet, just one so-called church leader would speak a word over them and, oh, oh, uh, yes, uh, it witnesses with me. Oh, uh, that's, it makes me feel good. And I, so therefore, it must be true. Yes, I receive that. And I, it is the word of the Lord because, well, because, uh, you know, the man of God says it and, um, and it witnesses with me. What, what do they mean by witnesses with me? They mean, well, uh, it, they take on my ears. That's basically what they mean. One, a lot of a lot of Christians today believe the word of one so-called prophet because they tickle their ears. Jehoshaphat had four hundred of them. Amazing! It's like if you had four hundred prophets of the Lord, people who were billed as prophets of the Lord, and they all unanimously said the same thing to you. Most Christians today, in fact, I don't know of anyone who wouldn't. Most Christians today, if not all, would say, "Oh yeah, it is a word of the Lord." We have four. We got we got 
We got one prophet who's told the truth and 399 confirmations, 399 witnesses with, with the word of God, okay? But 400 unanimously delivering the quote-unquote word of the Lord wasn't enough for Jehoshaphat. Again, I, I believe there's something within him. As he, he felt like, hey, something wrong here. Uh, CDCB6 at on TikTok says, what's the 400 club? I'm talking about 1 Kings chapter 22 and 2 Chronicles chapter 18. We're talking about the 400 prophets that King Ahab and King Jehoshaphat called to give them the word of the Lord, whether or not they should go up and take the city of Ramoth Gilead. And the 400 prophets, of course, they said what a lot of people say today. It's like, oh, God is with you. God is, you know, God's with you. God will give you the victory. You know, you've got victory in the name of the Lord. Really, I mean, and these people were like, especially Ahab, Jehoshaphat too, but Ahab were definitely not right with God. So 2 Chronicles chapter 18, but Jehoshaphat said, is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? Yeah, so we need a 401st opinion here. Well, Jehoshaphat, you're not that stupid. <laughs> you're not that stupid after all, as, as, in spite of the fact that you're not all that righteous either. First uh, Kings chapter 22. So the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There's, there is still one man, Micaiah, the, the son of Imlah, by whom we may inquire of the Lord. But I hate him. I hate him. Because he does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. Sounds kind of uh, sounds kind of uh, immature to me, right? Like, but this is what a lot of people, to, you know, today are like, right? If you say something to them that they don't like, if you tell them something that they don't like about their church, their doctrine, or them, whatever, they're, they're like, oh, I don't want to hear you anymore. Like, well, how do you know that God's not using that person in your life? How do you know that's not the truth? How do you really know that? Second Chronicles 18, verse 7. So the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is still one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he never prophesies good concerning me, but always evil. He is... Micaiah, the son of Imlah. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say such things. Okay, well, again, Jehoshaphat seems to have a little bit of sense here. First uh, Kings chapter 22 says the same thing. Jehoshaphat says, let not the king say such things. Uh, this is First Kings 22 verse 9. Then the king of Israel called an officer and said, bring Micaiah, the son of Imlah, quickly. Second Chronicles 18, 8. Then the king of Israel called one of his officers and said, Bring Micaiah, the son of Imlah, quickly. The king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, clothed in their robes, sat each on his throne, and they sat at a threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets prophesied before them. And I just go over to 1 Kings 22 and Compare what it says here. This is verse 10. Then the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, uh, having put on the robes, sat each on his throne at the threshing floor of the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets prophesied before them. Verse 11. Now Zedekiah, 
the son of Hanana, excuse me, uh, made had made horns of iron for himself, and he said, "Thus say, says the Lord, or thus saith the Lord." With these you shall gore the Syrians until they are destroyed. Second Chronicles 18.10, Now Zedekiah, the son of Hananah, had made horns of iron for himself, and he said, Thus says the Lord, With these you shall gore the Syrians until they are destroyed. Okay. Verse 11, And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth, Gilead and prosper. See, God wants you to prosper. Oh, God's with you. God's with you. God loves you. And, you, and you're going to be, you know, you have the victory. You have the prosperity. Sounds like uh, some of these preachers that we hear today, right? Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the king's hand. First uh, Kings twenty two twelve and all the prophets prophesied saying go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper for the for the Lord will deliver it into the king's hand. Then the messenger who had gone to call Micaiah spoke to him saying now listen 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 the words of the prophet with the words of the prophets in other words all four hundred of them with one accord encouraged the king please let your word be like the, the word of one of them. And speak encouragement. In other words, come on, Micaiah. This time, please. Okay, you know, there's four. If you say anything different than these other than all the other four hundred prophets, then you're going to have to do some answering. Just say what they're saying. Okay, there's four hundred against one. Okay, so just make it easy for yourself and just just agree with them. Don't rock the boat. Second Chronicles 18, 12. Again, this is pretty much like a repeat of 1 Kings 22, 13. But uh, then the messenger who had gone to call Micaiah spoke to him saying, now listen, the words of the prophet with prophets with one accord encourage the king. Therefore, please let your word be like the word of one of them and speak encouragement. Like, come on, Micaiah, behave yourself this time. Encourage the kings, okay? Encourage them. 1 Kings 22, 14, and Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that I will speak. Good answer, Micaiah. Second uh, Chronicles 18 says the same thing. Micaiah says, and, uh, and Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, whatever my God says, that I will speak. Slightly different, but pretty much the same. Um, 1 Kings 22, 15, then he came to the king, and the king said to him, Micaiah, Shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall we refrain? Second Chronicles 18. Again, it's like a repeat of it. Verse 14. Then he came to the king, and the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? Again, it's kind of weird how they, in Chronicles, it kind of mixes the I with the we, doesn't it? Um, and so... 1 Kings 22, last part of verse 15. And he, Micaiah, answered, Go and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. I can just imagine. I can just imagine Micaiah saying this in kind of like a sarcastic voice. Now again, guys, please, this is an awesome, awesome lesson. Okay, this is an awesome lesson. You're either part of the 400 club or you're part of, you're, or you're with Micaiah. 
I wish I heard this preached in church. I've never heard this preached in churches in all the years I've ever been to church. Second uh, Chronicles verse 18 or chapter 18, verse 14, the last part of it says, and he said, go and prosper and they shall be delivered into your hand. So again, Micaiah is like, he's kind of, he's kind of playing it, right? He's playing, he's tickling their ears. He's kind of like, uh, you know, I, I could probably hear like probably sarcastically, maybe not, but who knows? Uh, he did say what the rest of the 400 said at first. First Kings 22, 16. So the king said to him, how many times shall I make you swear that you tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? See, again, you see, Jehoshaphat was, again, he's got a pretty good grip on, he knows that Micaiah is not necessarily telling the truth and that, that there is this little inkling within him that there's still something wrong here. Still something wrong, you know, this gut feeling. Second uh, Chronicles 18, 15. So the king said to him, how many times shall I make you swear that you tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? So they have a little, little inkling in them that the truth isn't that pleasant. The truth doesn't sound like this. Go and prosper. God's with you. You have the victory. God's, you know, God loves you and, you know, he, he, he's beside you in all of it. Oh, yeah, you have the victory. First Kings 22, 17. Then he said, ah, this is <laughs> Micaiah. Then Micaiah says, I saw all Israel, all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. Woo. What does that mean? Ah, where's the king? What happened to the king? That's that's a bad that's a really bad sign right there. And the Lord said, "These have no master. Let each return to his house in peace." Second Chronicles eighteen. Then he said, "I saw I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd." And the Lord said, "These have no ma no master. Let each return to his house in peace." First Kings twenty two eighteen. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, "Did I not tell you?" He would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. If I could speak to Ahab, I know, you know, if I was there, I would say, Ahab, come on, come on, come on, man. Like, like, like think, why would the prophet always prophesy evil concerning you? Could it be something that you're not? doing that you should be doing could it be something that you're doing that you should not be doing could it be that you're you're, you're not aligned with god's word you're not aligned with god's torah you're not aligned with god's instructions could it be that something's wrong here and that's what we have to ask ourselves when something goes wrong in our life and in circumstances around us you got to ask a question don't don't blame don't blame god but Ask a question, what is it that gave the enemy, what is it that caused this? What, what did I do? What do I need to change? And ask the Lord and be open in, in case he tells you something that would hurt your pride.
Second Chronicles 18, 17, And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you he would, prophes- he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? Why would he do that? Maybe because you're evil, Ahab. 1 Kings 22, 19, Then Micaiah said, Therefore, therefore, in other words, okay, here's the truth then, here's the truth. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne. Sounds like Isaiah, doesn't it? I saw the Lord sitting on his throne in all the host of heaven standing by. Wow. Can you imagine seeing that? And on his right hand and on his left, all the host of heaven, in other words, all the armies, all the army of heaven, all the angels and the saints and the, you know, the spirits of just men made perfect, as it says in Hebrews 12, Verse 20, and the Lord said, so can you picture this first? Let's just stop here for a second. Picture this. It says, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne. If you can just, Im- just imagine this if you can. The God sitting on his throne and all of heaven around him. All of the spirits and all of the angels and all of the people and all, everyone, probably billions of billions of billions around him. All of the hosts of heaven were all there. Now here is a heavenly conspiracy. And the Lord said, who will persuade Ahab? Who who will persuade Ahab to go up that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead? Wow. Think about that for a minute. Think about that for a minute. God is conspiring with all of the angels and all of the spirits in heaven. Who is going to deceive the king so that he will fall? It was God's will that he fall. Second Chronicles 8, 18. Then Micaiah said, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the hosts of heaven sitting on on his right, or standing, excuse me, standing on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, who will persuade Ahab, king of Israel, to go up that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead? Okay. God had purposed, God had planned that, that to, to, to take Ahab out. He, he planned to take him out. So... This is continuing. Uh, this is Second Chronicles eighteen nineteen. So, so one spoke in this manner, and another spoke in that manner. So, you, can you imagine? It's like all of the all of the hosts of heaven, all the angels, all the spirits, everyone around. Perhaps even Satan there too, because you know you read you read many times how Satan comes before the throne of God. Can you imagine? It'd be like chatter, chatter, chatter all around the heaven. Who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? How are we going to do this? Who, who's going to deceive Ahab? Who is going to persuade Ahab somehow to get him to go up to Ramoth Gilead so that he could be struck down? Let's come up with a plan. And so people, people or spirits, angels, whatever the case, spirit, the hosts of heaven, all the spirits around the throne, who knows how many? Again, it could have been billions, millions. Who knows? I can just imagine. I can just hear a chatter. This is chattering. They're all trying to conspire. Who's going to do what? How are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? First Kings 22, last part of verse 20. So one spoke in this manner and another spoke in that manner. 
Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord. It's like, okay, we got this. Okay, we got a good plan. Okay, it's like, man, I, I spoke to millions or uh, maybe hundreds. I don't know. Uh, we got to we come up with a good plan. I'm the spokesperson for this. So a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, "I were I will persuade him." And the Lord said to him, "In what way?" And he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. Boom. Boom. That's amazing. Boom. Second Chronicles 18, 20. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. The Lord said, to, the Lord said to him, in what way? So he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. This reminds me of this of, of the prophecy that we have in the in the scriptures. In the last day, there will be many who fall from the true faith. Many will be deceived. Don't forget, to the one who believes a lie, the truth is a lie. Many will be deceived. Deception will be rampant. In the last days, it's very clear in how many passages throughout the scriptures. Deception will be rampant. Why? As Yeshua said, as Jesus said, such things must come to pass. It's like it's it's part of God's will. It's part of God's plan. <laughs> I'm laughing because I hear a bird outside when I'm talking the birds going <sighs> it's it's like God said perhaps who knows um, I believe it began it probably began hundreds of years ago it's so prevalent now though the deception is so prevalent now it's like God would say how do we go out and to deceive? How can we go out? How do we do this? How do we? These people need to be tested. These people need to be weeded out. We need to have the half-hearted people fall. We need to have the people that are wicked, the antinomians, those who live like there is no law, like Ahab. We need to have them fall. Figuratively, spiritually. We need to bring them down. How are we going to do it? Chatter, chatter in heaven, chatter. It said all the host of heaven was there. Countless. I mean, God doesn't have unlimited army, does he? And I believe 
Just like it was back in those days, in the days of Micaiah, so it is today, a spirit come forward and said, I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all the pastors. I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all the evangelists. I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all the Christian church leaders. Think about it. Think about it. Why was it God's will to bring down Ahab? Well, obviously, if you, if you know anything about Scripture, you know it's because of his sin. Because he did not, he did not align himself with the Torah. He did not align himself with the law of God. He was lawless, just like a lot of so-called Christians are today. It's the truth. It's the truth. Lawless. If you're lawless and you won't repent, there's only one choice. <laughs> it's not good. God will look for a lying spirit. I can hear someone say, oh, but God wouldn't do that. Oh, yes, he does. He did and he will again. Yeah, you send them lying spirits. When you get people who are hell-bent, literally hell-bent on their lawlessness, nothing will save them. They're hopeless. They're hell-bent. And so God, as it says in uh, even Romans chapter 1, and here I am quoting Paul again, but giving them over to a, to a, to a reprobate mind. Going... God will say, listen, I had enough of it, enough, enough. If you want a lie, here you got it. You want it, there you go. There's your lying spirit. Enjoy. And then when someone like Micaiah comes around who tells the truth, they think it's a lie. They're so, they're so twisted. They're so backward. And that's the way it is with most of the church today. It's the truth. So this one spirit said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. First Kings 22, last part of verse 22. And the Lord said, you shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out and do so. Second Chronicles 18, last part of verse 21 the same thing. And the Lord said, you shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out and do so. He, he, got, he, got, the word, he got the word from the boss himself, right? First uh, Kings 22, 23. Therefore, look. Remember, Micaiah is, is talking to the kings right now. So Micaiah is saying to Ahab and Jehoshaphat, therefore, look. The Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these of yours, all these prophets of yours, all 400 of them. What do you want to do? Majority rules here? What do you want to do? Ask 401 prophets and take the majority and take that as the word of God? Is that what you want to do? I'm telling you, they are all wrong because they have a lying spirit 
from basically from God. So again, I can, I can hear people say, well, God wouldn't do that. Well, look, he sent an evil spirit to Saul. It says from God. Obviously, if you look at this, this whole uh, story, you see how this lying spirit was, uh, it was all conspired to begin with from the Lord. Therefore, look, it says the same thing in 2 Chronicles 18. Therefore, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of these prophets of yours. And I would say the Lord has put a lying spirit in the church today. Many pastors, many evangelists, many, many leaders Many Christians believe a lie. And then when someone comes around to tell them the truth, they think that it's a lie. They think that's a lie. They're so deceived. And the reason why they're deceived is, again, because of their lawlessness, because they are hell-bent on lawlessness. And they choose their favorite little apostle Paul to, to support them in their lawlessness. At least they take his writings, and that's what they use for the most part, to support their lawlessness. Right? The Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of these prophets of yours. The Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of these pastors of yours. The Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of these evangelists of yours. The Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of these priests of yours. And the Lord has declared disaster against you. Well, that's not what the other prophets said. Well, 400 against one. If, if you... If there were 401 prophets prophesying over you, telling you what the word of, the, of God is, if there were 401 church leaders telling you what the word of the Lord is, and 400 of them agree, and one tells you the opposite, who are you going to go with? Who would you go with? Would you say, well, hey, I mean, these 400, I mean, they're all established and well, uh, well, I mean, they're well-respected and well-known prophets or prophets that were put in place by authority and the king. And, you know, I mean, hey, I mean, they all 400, it must be one crazy one that's just one oddball, right? It's one oddball that's cuts off. Forget about him. We got 400 to one. 401. What would you do? What would you do? Would you believe the majority? Or would you believe the one? Remember, out of all the prophets that were prophesying, that prophesied, or all the pastors, or all the evangelists, or all the teachers, all the Christian teachers, all your favorite Christian teachers, 99.75% of them all said this, all said one thing and only. One quarter 
of 1%. One quarter. 0.25% of all the leaders told you the opposite. Who are you going to believe? Are you going to, are you going to go with the majority? Or are you, going, are you going to go with the very, very small minority? Who are you going to believe? 1 Kings 22. Now Zedekiah, the son of Hananah, went near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, which way did the Spirit of the Lord go from me to speak to you? Hmm. All right, so 2 Chronicles 18 says pretty much the same thing. Then Zedekiah, the son of Hananah, went near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, which way did the Spirit of the Lord go from me to speak to you? It's like, like basically like, um, making fun of and mocking Micaiah, trying to make him look like, hey, you know, you're, you don't speak by the Spirit of God. You speak uh, by some other spirit or by or from yourself or, you know, God's not with you. It's not it's not the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, this kind of thing. Like I have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit doesn't say to me what he said to you. All this kind of nonsense is what it is. I've heard two people arguing. Two people arguing. I know two people who have argued, saying, "Well, the Holy Spirit told me thus," and the other person, the other person said, the "Holy Spirit said the the other thing," and they were in direct, diametrically opposed to one another, in complete contradiction to each other, and they both believed, like they both truly believed that they heard from the Holy Spirit. 1 Kings chapter 22, verse 25. And Micaiah said, Indeed, you shall see on that day when you go in into an inner chamber to hide. And 2 Chronicles says the same thing. 1 Kings 22, 26. So the king of Israel said, Take Micaiah and return him to Ammon, the governor of the city, and, and to Yoash, the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, Put this fellow in prison. And feed him with the with bread of affliction and water of affliction until I come in peace. <laughs> uh, torment him. Second uh, Chronicles eighteen twenty five. Then the king of Israel said, "Take Micaiah, and return him to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Yoash, the the king's son, and and say, Thus says the king: Put this fellow in prison and feed him with the bread of affliction and water of affliction until I return in peace." In other words, if I don't return, in other words, if what Micaiah said is true, and if I don't return, then he will live out the rest of his days in torment, eating the bread of affliction and water of affliction. Bread of affliction, I'm not sure, probably like unleavened, like unleavened bread, dry unleavened bread, water of affliction, not 100% sure what that would be, perhaps bitter water or something to that effect. 1 Kings 22, 28. But Micaiah said, If you ever return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. Wow. Hmm. Second, Second Chronicles said the same thing. And he said, Take heed, all you people. Oh, my. Yes, Micaiah spoke confidently. Micaiah knew what he was talking about, and he was willing to put his life on the line for it. Go to prison for the rest of his the rest of his days if that's if that was the case. But hey, I mean, he just needed he needed to speak the word of the Lord, and you know those 
who do speak the word of God take a beating. Take a beating. Those who really speak the word of God, people don't like it. Especially the church of all people. They don't like it. The antinomian church today is very much like the Pharisees of yesterday. Or I should say the Pharisees as portrayed in the Gospels. Let me put it that way. As portrayed in the Gospels. People who are supposed to be the men, you know, men and women of God, Christians. I'm not, I'm not saying all of them, but I'm saying that the antinomian Christians, okay? I'm talking about the ones who are lawless. The ones who say, oh, it's by grace, not by, not by you know, obedience to God. We don't have to obey God at all. No, we can live like the devil, you know? You know, we can, we can just listen to the devil's commands all the time and just be deceived all the time and just be okay with God. Those are the ones. They're like the Pharisees. Pharisees didn't like what Yeshua had to say, at least for the most part. That's the way it is with people today, Christian, antinomian Christians. They don't like what the real word of God is. They don't, they won't, they don't like it. 1 Kings 22, 29, So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. Okay, And the king of Israel, so they went anyway. Okay. So they went anyway. They believed the majority. They 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 took their ear tickling and they that's what they went with. They went with ah 400 to 1, ah 99.75% of all the prophets said go you get the victory, you know, God will deliver it into your hands, you will defeat them. Um you'll be victorious. Only 0.25% of them, i.e. the 1 in 400. One out of 401, actually. Only one said, no, you will not return in peace. Only one. Don't be part of the 400 club. Don't be part of the 400 club. That's not what you want to be. Second Chronicles 18, 29, And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you put on your robes. So the king of Israel disguised himself and they went into battle. Now, why would he do that? Like perhaps he's thinking that, perhaps he's thinking that, well, uh, I'm going to try to avoid what the word of the Lord that Micaiah gave me. I'm going to try to avoid it by not, I'm going to, I'm going to try to, I'm going to just disguise myself. Therefore, people are not going to really aim at me so much because they don't, they don't see the king. You know, it's the king is the one who's got, is going to take the fire, right? He's going to be the one that they're going to be shooting at. I'm going to disguise myself. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to play it safe. You can't play it safe around God. When God's out, without, when God's out for you, you can't, there is no safe space uh, when you are on the wrong side of God. First Kings 22, verse 30, And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you put on your robes. So the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. First Kings 22, verse 31, Now the king of Syria had commanded the 32, 32 captains of his chariots, saying, Fight 
with no one small or great, but only with the king of Israel. Um, Second Chronicles 18.30, Now the king of Syria had commanded the captains of the chariots who were with him, saying, Fight with no one small or great, but only with the king of Israel. 1 Kings 22.32, So it was when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat that they, that they said, Surely it is the king of Israel. Therefore they turned aside to fight against him, and Jehoshaphat cried out. Second Chronicles 18, So it was when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat that they said, It is the king of Israel. Therefore they surrounded him to attack a little bit different, a little bit more details here. But Jehoshaphat cried out, and the Lord helped him, and God diverted them from him. 1 Kings 22:33. And it happened when the captains of the chariots saw that it was not the king of Israel that they turned back from pursuing him. 2 Chronicles 18:32. So it was when the captains of the chariots saw that it was not the king of Israel, that they turned back from pursuing him. 1 Kings 22, 34. Now a certain man drew a bow at random and struck at random. Very interesting here. God can work through anything, anybody, at any time, even at random. As a certain man drew out a bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. And so he said to the driver of his chariot, turn around and take me out of the battle, for I am wounded. Second Chronicles 33, now a certain man drew a bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. So he said to the driver of the chariot, Turn around and take me out of the battle, for I am wounded. 1 Kings 22:35. The battle increased that day, and the king was propped up in his chariot, facing the, the Syrians, and died that evening. The blood ran out from the wound onto the floor of the chariot. Then, as the sun was going down, a shout went throughout the army, saying, every man to his city and every man to his own country. They were defeated. Second Chronicles 18.34, the battle increased that day, and the king of Israel propped himself up in his chariot, facing the Syrians until evening. And about that time, and about the time of sunset, he died. Wow. Wow. So, that's amazing. Um, if you, if you go with the 400 club, you'll die. If you go with the 400 club, you'll die. The ones who are tickling your ears, the antinomians, the people who are blessing the antinomians, you'll die. And again, by the way, those of you on TikTok, I am streaming live on YouTube, sharing my screen. I know you guys over there, you might not 
you might be wondering, what am I, how am I reading? What am I reading? All this kind of thing. If you really want to avail yourself of some, you know, screen sharing and all that kind of thing, um, just go on over to YouTube and, and meet me over there. I'm sure you'll like it better over there because of those features. Okay. Um, 99.75% of the quote unquote profits were wrong, dead wrong, pun intended. Today, in today's world, in, in Christianity, how many are the, are, how many are wrong? There are so many who are wrong. It's just incredible. And so don't go with the, the vast majority. Don't go with the majority. Okay? Because even Jesus said, right, the wide is the path, and many are on it. That leads to destruction. The king of Israel would tell you that if he could. He was unfortunate enough to believe the majority. He was unfortunate enough to be proud and not humble himself when someone comes came, uh, came to him and told him something that he didn't like. I guarantee you, the people who come to you and tell you things that you don't like, you can trust them more. You can trust them more. The ear ticklers, the ones that come to you, the, the, the members of the 400 Club, oh, God loves you. God blesses everyone everywhere. It doesn't matter. I, God's not mad with anybody. He's not mad. No, no, no. He'll never get mad at you. God doesn't get mad at anybody anymore because Jesus died on the cross and he took everybody's sins. Lie, 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 lie. The lying spirit in the mouth of Christians today. And again, I'm not saying every single one of them, but, well, 99.75% of them. I mean, it's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to really humble ourselves and say, you know what, Lord, I want the truth, even if it hurts, even if it goes against everything I have ever held dear in my heart. I get people saying this, you know, I was thinking about making a video about it. Maybe some, maybe sometime I will. I get people saying to me, you know, well, if you go, if you keep going the way you're going, you're going to, you're going to reject this. You're going to reject that. You're going to, it's like, I'm going where the truth is taking me. Okay. I just want the truth. If it's true, it will stand. I have faith in the truth. I have faith in the truth. If it's true, the truth will stand. The truth will stand against all good critical scrutiny. I do not want any kind of lies. I do not want any kind of falsehood. And I say, let it fall. Let it fall. If it's false, let it fall. See, people don't say to me, well, 
you know, what you're saying is, 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 you know, uh, is false or, or, you know, if you keep going the way, you know, if you're going, you're going on the, on the, on the, on the road of lies. Well, people don't, it's like, it's like, they don't care whether it's true or false. They don't, they don't care whether it's a lie or whether it's the truth. They don't care. All they care about is their dearly held belief. All they care about is their little, their little uh, golden calf that they have set up in their life, in their heart. All they care about is their church denomination or their church denomination's doctrine. They don't care about the truth. And yeah, the truth may lead you away from that church denomination. So you got to make that decision. Do I want the truth or do I want to keep a lie? You got to make that decision. Let's continue. This is 1 Kings chapter 22, verse 37. So the king died and was brought to Samaria. And they buried the king in Samaria. Then someone washed the chariot at the pool in Samaria, and the dogs licked, licked up his blood while the harlots bathed, according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken. Wow. Now the rest of the acts of Ahab, Ahab, and all that he did, the ivory house which he built and all the cities that he built, are they not written in the Chronicles, in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Ahab rested with his fathers. Then Ahaziah, his son, reigned in his place. Jehoshaphat reigns in Judah. We read 2 Chronicles chapter 19. Then Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned safely to his house in Jerusalem. And Yehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to the king, and said to King Jehoshaphat, Should you help the wicked and should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Therefore, the wrath of the Lord is upon you. Wow. Going from one defeat to that. Can you imagine that? Nevertheless, good things are found in you in that you have removed the wooden images from, from the land and have prepared your heart to seek God. Okay, 1 Kings 22, verse 41. Jehoshaphat, the son of Asa, had become king over Judah in the fourth year of Ahab, king of Israel. Jehoshaphat was 35 years old when he became king, and he reigned 25 years in Jerusalem. Or Jerusalem. His mother's name was Azuba, the daughter of Shilhi. And he walked in all the ways of his father Asa. He did not turn aside from them, doing what was uh, doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Nevertheless, the high places were not taken away. For the people offered sacrifices and burnt incense on the high places. Also, Jehoshaphat made peace with the king of Israel. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoshaphat, the might that he showed and how he made war, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? And the rest of the perverted persons, in the footnote, it says, again, Hebrew Kadesh, one practicing sodomy and prostitution in religious rituals. Uh, 
all the rest of and the rest of the perverted persons who remained in who remained in the days of his father Asa, he banished from the land. There was then no king in Edom, only a deputy of the king. Jehoshaphat made merchant ships to go to Ophir for gold, but they never sailed. For the ships were wrecked at Ezion Geber. Then Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, said to Jehoshaphat, Let my servants go with your servants in the ships. But Jehoshaphat would not. And Jehoshaphat rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David, his father. Then Jehoram, his son, reigned in his place. Second um, Chronicles 19, verse 4. So Jehoshaphat dwelt at Jerusalem, and he went out again among the people from Beersheba to the mountains of Ephraim and brought them back to the Lord God of their fathers. Then he set judges in the land throughout all the fortified cities of Judah, city by city, and said to the judges, Take heed to, to what you are doing, for you do not judge for man but for the Lord, who is with you in judgment. Now, therefore, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take care and do it, for there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, no partiality nor taking of bribes. Moreover, in Jerusalem, for the judgment of the Lord and for controversies, Jehoshaphat appointed some of the Levites and priests and some of the chief fathers of Israel when they returned to Jerusalem or to Jerusalem. And he commanded them, saying, Thus you shall act in the fear of the in the fear of the Lord, faithfully and with a loyal heart. Whatever case comes to you from your brothers who dwell in, in their cities, whether of bloodshed or offenses against the law or commandments, against statutes or ordinances, you shall warn them, lest they trespass against the Lord, and wrath come upon you and your brothers. Do this, and you will not be guilty. And take notice, Amaria, the chief priest, is over you in all matters of the Lord. And Zebediah, the son of Ishmael, the ruler of the house of Judah, for all the king's matters also, the Levites will be officials before you. Behave courageously, and the Lord will be, will be with the good. Second Chronicles 20. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is En Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand... Is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land 
before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever, and they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will, you will hear and save. And now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Now all Judah with their little ones, their wives, and their children stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Yahaziel, the son of Zechariah, or Zechariahu, the son of Benaiah, the son of Yael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all you of Judah and your and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Yeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Stand, see, stand, excuse me, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of, of the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. As they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. By the way, guys, this is this is what the, a lot of Christians call this is the Old Testament. This is Old Testament. Yes, his mercy endures forever. Even in the so-called Old Testament, it's the same God. It's the same. There's one word, one law, one God that we all serve. His mercy endures forever.
Verse 22. Now when they began to sing, now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Yehuda, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the, the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they, they helped to destroy one another. So you see, um, you praise God, right? You praise the Lord and your enemies defeat one another. <laughs> your enemies defeat one another. Your enemies defeat themselves. Okay. Verse 24. So when Judah came to the to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and there were the were dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves. More than more than they could carry away. And they were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. And on the fourth day, they, they assembled in the valley of Bar Baraka. Uh, in the footnotes, Baraka, praise, blessing, blessing. For there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of that place was called the Valley of Baraka until this day. Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat in front of them to go back to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. So they came to Jerusalem with stringed instruments and harps and trumpets to the house of the Lord. And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest all around. So Jehoshaphat was king over Judah. He was 35 years old when he became king, and he reigned 25 years in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem. His mother's name was Azubah, the daughter of Shilhi, and he walked in the way of his father Asa and did not turn aside from it, doing what was right in the sight of the Lord. Nevertheless, the high places were not taken away, for as yet the people had not directed their heart, hearts to the God of their fathers. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoshaphat, first and last, indeed, they are written in the book of Yehu, the son of Hanani, which is mentioned in the book of the kings of Israel. We got so many, so many books that are missing. Um, Missing books. We don't have all of the scriptures. We have, there's a lot that are missing. Verse 35. After this, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, allied himself with Ahaziah, king of Israel, who acted very wickedly. And he allied himself with him to make ships to go to Tarshish. And they were, and they made ships in Ezion Geber. But Eliezer, the son of Dodava of, of Maresha, prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, Because you have allied, 
yourself with Ahaziah, the Lord has destroyed your works. Then the ships were wrecked so that they were not able to go to Tarshish. Second Chronicles 21, And Jehoshaphat rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. Then Jehoram his son reigned in his place. He had brothers, the sons of Jehoshaphat, Azariah, Yahiel, Zachariah, Zachariah, Azariahu, Mikael, Shephatiah, Shephatiah. All these were the sons of Jehoshaphat, king of Israel. Their father gave them great gifts of silver and gold and precious things and with fortified cities in, in Yehuda in Judah, but he gave the kingdom to Jehoram because he was the firstborn. Now when Jehoram was established over the kingdom of his father, he strengthened himself and killed all his brothers with the sword and also others, others of the princes of Israel. Jehoram was 32 years old when he became king, and he reigned eight years in Jerusalem. And he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, just as the house of Ahab, as, as the house of Ahab had done. For he had, for he had the daughter of Ahab as a wife. Well, that figures. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Yet the Lord would not destroy the house of David because of the covenant that he had made with David, and since he had promised to give him a lamp uh, to, to him and to his sons forever. In his days, Adom, Edom, Edom revolted against Judah's authority and made a king over themselves. Now Jehoram went out with his officers and all, the, all his chariots with him, and he rose by night and attacked the Edomites who had surrounded him and the, ca the captains of the chariots, Thus, Edom has been in revolt against Yehuda's authority or Judah's authority to this day. At that time, Libna revolted against his rule because he had forsaken the Lord God of his fathers. Moreover, he made high places in the mountains of Judah and caused the inhabitants of Jerusalem to commit har harlotry and led Judah astray. And a letter came to him from Elijah the prophet. Here we go, Elijah the prophet again, saying, Thus says the Lord God of your father David. I love the way these prophets speak, you know. It reminds me of Paul, right? I had, you know, we had uh, the Wazer ask a question there on, on Monday was, uh, you know, is, is Paul a, fal a false prophet? How can he be a false prophet when he never claimed to be a prophet? And he never spoke as a prophet. How does a prophet speak like this? Thus says the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Thus says the Lord. God of your father, David, because you have not walked in the ways of Jehoshaphat, your father, or in the ways of Asa, king of Judah, but have walked in the way of the kings of Israel and made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to play the harlot like the harlotry of the house of Ahab, and also have killed your brothers, those of your father's household, who were better than yourself. Behold, the Lord will strike your people with a serious affliction, your children, your wives, and all your possessions, and you will become very sick with the disease of your intestines. 
until your intestines come out by reason of the sickness day by day. Ooh, that is a very graphic and gross kind of thing to happen to anybody. Moreover, the Lord stirred up against Yehoram, the spirit of the Philistines and the spirit, excuse me, and the Arabians who were near the Ethiopians. And they came up into Judah and invaded it and carried away all the possessions that that were found in the king's house and also his sons and his wives so that there was not a son left to him except Jehoahaz, the youngest of his sons. In the footnotes, Jehoahaz, now in Second Chronicles 21, it's, or Azariah, Azariah, right? In the, in the next chapter, it's Azariah or Ahaziah. the youngest of his sons. After all this, the Lord struck him in his intestines with an incurable disease. Then it happened in the course of time, after the end of two years, that his intestines came out because of his sickness. So he died in severe pain. And his people were uh, made no burning for him like the burning of his fathers. He was 32 years old when he became king. He reigned in, in Jerusalem, in Jerusalem, eight years and to no one's sorrow departed. <laughs> However, they buried him in the city of David, but not in the tombs of the kings. Second Chronicles 22. Now we come to line up with 1 Kings 22. Let's go read 1 Kings 22 first. There's not much of it here. Um, Azariah, Ahaziah, Ahaziah, excuse me. Ahaziah. So this is uh, the same as what we have here. Uh, Yehoahaz. Same person, Ahaziah. Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, became king over Israel in Samaria in the 17th year of Jehoshaphat, king of, king of Judah, and reigned two years over Israel. Second Chronicles 22, verse 1. Then the inhabitants of Jerusalem made Ahaziah, his youngest son, king in his place. For the raiders who came with the Arabians into the camp had killed all the older sons. Uh, so that explains it. So Ahaziah, the, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, reigned. First Kings 22, 52. He did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and in the way of his mother and in the way of his, in the way of Jeroboam the son of Nebat who was uh, who had made Israel sin. Second Chronicles 22 verse 2 Ahaziah was 42 years old when he became king he reigned 1 year in Jerusalem his mother's name was Ataliah Ataliah the granddaughter of Omri Verse 3, so uh, he also walked in the ways of the house of Ahab for his mother advised him to do, to do, uh, advised him to do wickedly. That's not very good. Therefore, he did evil in the sight of the Lord like the house of Ahab, uh, for there was, for they were his counselors after the death of his father to his destruction. Let's read the last verse of 1 Kings 22, 
This is verse 53. For he served Baal and worshipped him and provoked the Lord God of Israel to anger according to all that his father had done. Second Chronicles 22, verse 5. He also followed their advice and went with Jehoram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, to war against Hazael, king of Syria, at Ramoth Gilead, and the Syrians wounded Joram. Then he returned to Jezreel to recover from the wounds which he had received at Ramah when he fought against Hazael, king of Syria. And Azariah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, went down to see Jehoram, the son of Ahab, in Jezreel because he was sick. His going to Joram was God's occasion for Ahaziah's downfall. For when he arrived, he went out with Jehoram against Jehu, Ye uh, the son of Nimshi, whom the Lord had anointed to cut off the house of uh, Ahab, or Ahab. And it happened when Jehu was executing judgment on the house of Ahab and found the princes of Judah and the sons of Ahaziah's brothers, who served Ahaziah, that he killed them. Then he searched for Ahaziah, and, and they caught him. He was hiding in Samaria and brought him to Jehu. When they, uh, when they had killed him, they buried him because, they said, he is the son of Jehoshaphat, who sought the Lord with all his heart. So the house of Ahaziah had no one to assume power over the kingdom. Athaliah uh, reigns in Judah. Now, when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the royal heirs of the house of Judah. But Yahashabeth, Yahashabeth, in the footnotes, literally daughter? Oh, excuse me. That's the wrong one. Yahashabeth. Yahashabah. Yahashabah and Yahashabeth is the same thing, Yahashabah. The daughter of the king took Yoash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the king's sons who were being murdered and put him and his nurse in a bedroom. So Yahashabeth, the daughter of the king of, of King Yehoram, the wife of Yehoiada the priest, for she was the sister of Ahaziah, hid him from Athaliah so that she did not kill him. And he and he was hidden with, him, with them in the house of God for six years while Athaliah reigned over the land. Last chapter, then I'm going to get to your questions and your comments. Let's see, we have some stuff going on there on TikTok as well. We got a lot going on is on YouTube. By the way, those of you are on TikTok, if you're not... If you're not on YouTube right now, I am live stream streaming on YouTube and you can actually read along with me if you want to do that. Just look me up over there at Christopher Enoch. This is 2 Chronicles chapter 23, verse 1. In the seventh year, Jehoiada strengthened himself and made a covenant with the captains of hundreds. Azariah, the son of Jehoram, Ishmael, the son of Jehochanan, Azariah, the son of Obed, Mahaziah, the son of Adiah, and Elishaphat, the son of Zikri. And they went throughout Judah 
and gathered the Levites and all the cities of Yehuda and the chief fathers of Israel, and they came to Jerusalem. They came to Jerusalem. Then all the assembly made a covenant with the king of the house of God. Then all the assembly made a covenant with the king in the house of God. And he said to them, Behold, the king's son shall reign. As the Lord has said of the sons of David, this is what you shall do. One third of you entering on the Sabbath of the priests and the Levites shall be keeping watch over the doors. One third shall be at the king's house and one third at the gate of the foundation. All the people shall be in the courts of the house of the Lord. But let no one come in into the house of the Lord except the priests and those of the Levites who serve. They may go in, they may go in, excuse me, for they are holy. But all the people shall keep the watch of the Lord. And the Levites shall surround the king on all sides, every man with his weapons in his hand. And whoever comes into the house, let him put let him be put to death. You are to be with the king when he comes in and when he goes out. So the Levites and all Judah did according to all that Jehoiada the priest commanded. And each man took his men who were who were to be hit, excuse me, who were to be on duty on the Sabbath, with those who were going off duty on the Sabbath, for Jehoiada the priest had not dismissed the divisions. Then Jehoiada the priest gave to the captains of hundreds the spears and the large and small shields which, uh, which had belonged to King David that were in the temple of God. Then he set all the people, every man with his weapon in his hand, from the right side of the temple to the left side of the temple, along by the altar and by the temple all around the king. And they brought out the king's son, put the crown on him, gave him the testimony, Testimony in the footnotes, the law, law, gave him the law. That's the thing, when you when you see the word testimony or testimonies in the Tanakh, sometimes, what well, actually almost all, almost always it's talking about the law of God and made him king. Then Jehoiada, the sons, anointed him and said, long live the king. Now when Athaliah heard the noise of the people running and praising the king, she came to the people in the temple of the Lord. When she looked, there was the king standing by his pillar at the entrance, and the leaders and the trumpeters were by the king. All the people of the land were rejoicing and blowing trumpets, also the singers with musical instruments and those who led in praise. So Athaliah tore her clothes and said, Treason! Treason! And Jehoiada the priest brought out the captains of hundreds who were set over the army and said to them, Take her outside under guard and slay with the sword whoever follows her. For the priest had said, Do not kill her in the house of the Lord. So they seized her, and she went by the way of the entrance of the horse gate into the king's house, and they killed her there. Then Jehoiada made a covenant between himself, the people, and the king, that they should be the Lord's people. And all the people went to the to the temple of Baal and tore it down. Good idea. They broke it, they broke in pieces its altar 
its altars, its images, and killed Matan, the priests of Baal, before the altars. Also, Jehoiada appointed the oversight of the house of the Lord to the hand of the priests, the Levites, whom David had assigned in the house of the Lord, to offer the burnt offerings of the Lord, as it is written in the house, er, excuse me, as it is written in the law of Moses, with rejoicing and with singing, as it, as it was established by David. And he set gatekeepers at the gates of the house of the Lord, so that no one who was in any way unclean should enter. Then he took the captains of hundreds, the nobles, the governors of the people, and all the people of the land, and brought the king down from the house of the Lord. And they went through the upper gate to the king's house and set the king on the throne of the kingdom. So all the people of the land rejoiced, and the city was quiet, for they had slain Athaliah with the sword. And that concludes our reading of Scripture tonight. Wasn't that an awesome reading of Scripture going from Micaiah to Jehoshaphat and this whole story here and all the details? And doing it this way, I mean, like comparing, uh, like reading it side by side. is There's just, you know, like I, I, I don't know of anybody else that has, has ever done this. Um, but yeah. See what we have here in the comments on TikTok and on YouTube. This is very interesting. Scapegoat for sin. Are you still there on TikTok? Just wondering, scapegoat for sin. Just for you guys on YouTube, I'll just read what this person said. Uh, for faith is all you need and works. He said on one line, for faith is all you need, the next line, and works. Um, for, they, for they both work with each other. Now, let me just say before I go, there's something very interesting this person said. I don't know of anybody who actually did the works without faith. I mean, really did, really did what they're supposed to do without faith. I really don't know. Is it possible? I know it's possible to obey some of the Torah without faith. I understand that. But I mean, really to come in line with the Torah without faith? How? I don't know if that's even possible. Scapegoat says, you are the closest to the kingdom, tell them. And no, I don't worship Paul. In a vision I received, I asked if Paul was here and I was told no. Interesting. Not sure. Scape, scapegoat for sin. I wonder if you're still there. If you're still there. Hmm. Interesting. See what's going on in the chat here on YouTube. Lots and lots of stuff going on here. Lots of stuff. Uh, so as usual, I'm going to go with the comments that have at Christopher Enoch. First, I'm, I'm not going to be able to get to all of your comments or questions, so just put at Christopher if you want to bring it to my attention. Fearfully Confident says, Shalom, brother, shalom. Uh, it seems the following way happened with the advent of Christianity. Yeah, well, 
as it stands, I mean, like how you define Christianity, there's a lot of different definitions. Everybody has a different definition of Christianity. But yeah, I mean, Christianity in, in, in the sense of it being like mainstream Christianity or like Christianity as it turned out, uh, at least from, yeah, um, starting in the late first century, going on, to especially the second century, the more time went on, it seems like the more it got worse and worse. Tammy, Shalom Tammy, good to see you, uh, says, yes, get the truth out. Many blind, deaf, dumb. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. BB says, Shalom and uh, everyone, Shalom and blessings to you and, and your message tonight. Uh, there is always something new to learn with you all. Yes, and shalom and blessings multiplied to you as well, BB, and to Will. Oh, Billy says, I believe he left. Okay. Thanks, Billy, for letting me know. One John says, you are pumped tonight. So good. I like it when you read less and comment more. Okay. Thank you very much. Like I said, uh, you guys, your feedback is taken seriously and michael says shalom over there on tiktok shalom michael i'm also live on youtube right now going through some of the um, comments on youtube michael is, is talking about deuteronomy 24 16 and the death of king david's king david and bathsheba's first child yeah i i did do videos on that before um so let me just pull that up for those who are on youtube so that's 2 Samuel 12, and comparing that with Deuteronomy 24, 16. Nobody, yes. Deuteronomy 24, 16. Yeah, and you know, I, I can even add to that and say like, you know, Ezekiel chapter 18 as well talks a lot about that. Fathers should not be put to death for their sons, nor, okay, so for those of you on YouTube, Deuteronomy 24, 16, fathers shall not be put to death for their sons, nor sons shall be put to death for their fathers. Everyone shall be put to death for his own sin alone. Uh, I will bring in Ezekiel as well, because Ezekiel actually kind of expounds on it a little bit more. Okay, so Ezekiel chapter 18 goes into the same kind of thing. And we'll talk about this. Uh, starting at verse 18, abouts, thereabouts. Ezekiel 18, 18, as for his father... Uh, because he practiced extortion, robbed his brother, and did what was not good among his people, behold, he will die for his guilt. Okay, so this is a this is very important to understand the context of this. This is talking about um, well, first of all, this is not talking about physical death, right? It's just like how it says in this in in the in the Torah, um, if you do these commands, you shall live; you shall live by them. Uh, meaning that you will find life or eternal life. You know, the whole, th it's like, um, you know, one of the main verses of the Protestant movement is, you know, um, uh, let me think about it now. The just shall live by his faith, right? The just shall live by faith. It's not talking about physical, biological life. It's talking about eternal life. It's talking about the life of God. It's talking about, so life or live is talking about salvation. Whereas death, dying is talking about 
not stop. You're not saved. You're in death. You're in a state of death. Even if you are biologically alive, you're still in a state of death. You're not saved. You know, as it says as well that, you know, while you were dead in your trespasses and sins, you know, um, so to answer your question, Michael, um, the key, the key thing is here is the context of what this is talking about in the context of this is talking about spiritually dying or paying for your sin, if you want to put it that way. I hate to put it that way because it's not really paying for your sin. It's more like just kind of um, because you sin, you die spiritually, you know, eternally, um, unless you repent. And this is what Ezekiel chapter 18 is about. Ezekiel 18 verse 19, Yet you say, why should the son not suffer the punishment for the father's guilt when the son has practiced justice and righteousness and has kept all my statutes and done them, he shall certainly live. Now, again, this is talking about spiritual life. This is not talking about physical, physically, because you see, living in God's sight is, is really got nothing to do with whether or not you have your vital signs. It's talking about whether you live to God, as it says in the Shepherd of Hermas. Life is talking about whether you live to God. Um, death is not necessarily, it's not talking about physical death. It's talking about being dead to God. A good example of that is when um, Yeshua was talking to, you know, the, some of the Pharisees and he, and he was saying, you know, that um, he said, God said, I am the God of Abraham, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? He said, I'm not the God of, God is not the God of the dead, but of the living, even though they have died, right? They've died. They were buried, as it says in the Tanakh, but they were not dead. They were living. So they, they obtained life. It's that life. As opposed to some of the people that, and I, you know, I'm here I am talking about Paul again, because Paul talked about people who, um, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. So, even though you were alive, you had all your vital signs, you were breathing, your heart was pumping, you looked like, you know, you were, you were, you were biologically animated. You were still full of death. You were dead. So this is talking about salvation versus not salvation. This is talking about living to God versus dying in his, this is talking about heaven and hell, if you want to put it that way, if you want to put it in, in those terms. So Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 20, the, the person who sins will die. Again, this is not talking about physical death. This is talking about spiritually, basically, you're not saved. You are the, the person who sins will die. A son will not suffer the punishment for the for uh for the father's guilt, nor will a father suffer for the son's guilt, but the righteousness of the righteous will be upon himself and the wickedness of the wicked will be upon himself. That's what it's all about. Whether you reap the righteousness of your father or your son, or whether you reap the wickedness of your father or your son. Talking about whether you are saved because of your father or son, or you are, you, you basically, you don't, you don't, you're not saved. 
if you want to put it in those terms, evangelical terms, uh, because, uh, because of your father or your son. Verse 21, but if the wicked person turns from all his sins, which he has committed and keeps all my statutes and practices righteousness and or justice and righteousness, he shall certainly live and shall not die. Okay. Uh, all his offenses, which he has committed, will not be remembered against him because of his righteousness, he or which he has practiced, he will live. Do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord, rather than rather than that? Uh, that he would turn from his ways and live. But when a righteous person turns away from his righteousness, commits injustice, and does according to all the abominations that the wicked person does, will he live? All his righteous deeds which he has, has done will not be remembered for his treachery, which he has committed in his sin, which he has committed. For, the, for them he will die. Okay. So... Um, the key is here. The key is here is that it's not talking about physical death. It's talking about the, the effect of sin of like, it's talking about spiritual death. In other words, will I go to hell because my father was bad? Or will my father go to hell because I'm a bad son? So God is saying, no, uh, each one is responsible for his own righteousness or his wickedness. Okay. Now, in the in the in the case of of David and his son, let's go there. This is Second Samuel chapter twelve. For those of you on YouTube, here you are. Um, verse 13, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And, and Nathan said to David, and the Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. So this is talking about, again, this is talking about um, salvation, right? The Lord has basically passed over your sin. The Lord has, um, you are forgiven, basically. You, you have atonement. Uh, God has passed over your sin. You shall not die. So you, you are not dead to God. You will live to God because of your confession, because of your repentance. Only because you have, this is verse 14, only because you have given great occasion of provocation to the enemies of the, of the Lord by this thing, your son that is born to you shall surely die. So, this is talking about physical death, right? This is not talking about uh, the same kind of death as uh, as it is up here. Um, so basically, the son David's con the consequences of David's sin because it wasn't it wasn't really his son it wasn't because of his sin that his son died but rather it was because of what his sin did in the outside world caused the enemies to uh to blaspheme the name of the lord so in other words the son bore the consequence but the son didn't die in other words the son 
the son, David's sin was not charged to the son. On judgment day, that son is not going to be charged with David's sin. So that son did not die spiritually for David's sin. But that son bore the consequence of David's sin. Um, it's like it's like the people in in the flood, right? You got you can say there were little babies, there were babies in the womb, there were old elderly people who probably didn't you know probably didn't know what was going on, and they all died in the flood. Why? Because of the sins of the people of the land. They didn't lose their salvation, so to speak because of the sins of the Nephilim or the other people in the land, but they bore, they bore the consequence and they, they, were, they were swept away with the flood. And also, it's like the same way in the people in Sodom and Gomorrah in the surrounding cities. Again, there were probably innocent little babies there, children and elderly people, all kinds of people there. Um, Lot and his children were fortunate enough to get away from that. However, the rest of them bore the consequence of that. Um, so there's the confusion is Deuteronomy 24 and Ezekiel chapter 18 is talking about God actually charging you with the sins of your son or your father or anybody else for that matter. Nobody can die for you or you can't die for anybody else. That's not justice, right? So, uh, if you go... If you go to court, let's just say, for example, you know what, like, like a, a horrific murderer was let was set free, let loose, uh, let back out in the streets. Say, so why, why, why did this happen? Well, his friend chose to die for him. His his friend chose to go to prison for him. That's not that's not that's not justice, and that's not the way. As it says, that's not that's not the way the Torah works either. Nobody can do it for you. Now, unfortunately, when people do things wrong, sometimes other people bear the brunt of their, their foolishness, right? They don't really pay for their sins. I mean, God doesn't charge. Um, for example, here's another example. Uh, you got someone who steals something from, from you or from a, let's say from a store, okay? So that thief is the one who's going to be charged with sin and he will die by, by, the, by the law of God. Spiritually. He was already dead. Okay? Spiritually. He's not alive to God. So he bore the brunt of his sin. He's bearing the brunt of his sin. As it says in John chapter 3, verse 36, to those who don't believe or obey, the wrath of God lives on them now. But the owner of the store... They're out. I mean, they they bear the consequence, um, but they are not the thief. They're not going to be charged for theft. They're not going to go to prison for theft. Um, so, I mean, it, it's it's a very legalist, legally legalistic, or it's a very legal thing to look at like this. Um, and it's a very very good question, Michael, because I understand how so many people can get so mixed up, especially when it comes to David's son. But again, it wasn't, it's not just David's son. It's everybody in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, everybody in the days of, of, of Noah's flood, and many other people throughout, throughout history as well. Okay, so um, 
It's just that like they will not die spiritually. They will not, they will not be charged with someone else's sin. In, in the same way, they will not be credited with somebody else's righteousness. But uh, consequences are something totally different. Consequences are something totally different. It's like it's, it's like if you built something, that particular thing that you built, that project caused people to be um, to blaspheme God. You can have your sins forgiven, just like David's. David's sins were forgiven. But that project might have to go. That building might have to go to clean up everything. That That's really where the confusion comes in. It's, it's the difference between dying physically versus dying spiritually. 1 John says... Uh, we were talking about casting your pearls in front of dogs and swine and when you know that enough is enough. It depends on the, 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 um, the, the what do you call it, the circumstances, right? I mean, uh, it depends on exactly. I would assume you're talking about like talking to people about the word of God or talking to people about, about these kind of things that we're talking about. I mean, but it, it can, th that as well can, can be applied in many different ways many different areas and in, in you know so it depends on the circumstance and how you apply that but if you're talking about just like sharing with somebody the things that we talk about like on this channel um you know uh, i'd say drawing the line is is when you you are when the other person makes it very clear that they don't respect you at all they don't respect you and they don't want to listen to you. You know, that's that's where I think that the line should be drawn. That's the idea. The pigs are, are very disrespectful of their owners. So Yabi the Glory says, how would you answer someone using Hosea 4.6 to defend the inerrancy of Scripture as a collective where the law of God is understood by the person to mean the written Torah? So, so we'll go over there. Hosea 4. Hosea 4, 6, my people are like as if they had no knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I will also reject you that you shall not minister to me, that you shall not minister as priest to me. And as you have, you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also, uh, I also will forget your children. Um, I'm, I don't, I don't really see how anybody could use that as, as an argument against or for the inerrancy of scripture. 
my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I, I will also reject you from being priests for me because you have forgotten the law of your God. I will also I, I also will forget your children. I I don't I don't really understand how anybody could use that against or for or against the inerrancy of scripture at all. Because, you know, you, you can discern the law of God, even though there are many errors throughout the scripture, you can still discern what it says. You got all the manuscripts, you can, you, you compare the uh, different manuscripts and such. Um, yeah, I, I don't really, I don't really see how anybody could use that as, um, as proof that it's in error. I mean, it, to say that we that that's proof that it's completely inerrant is is really it's almost laughable because we've got so many different ancient manuscripts and they're all different. Okay, so Yabi the Glory said. Thank you. That was my thought as well. It seems frivolous to me. Yeah, I, I don't see how they can. I suppose they can try to say, well, you know, the law of God, you're not supposed to forget the law of God. Therefore, the law of God must be preserved perfectly. But that doesn't mean that it's that. It, I mean. God never said that there'd be inerrancy in that way. I mean, it's it depends on how you look at that as well, because like how we talk about it with uh, with our brother there, Onia, um, there is a way to to reconstruct um, the original. In many cases, there's a way to re reconstruct it. I would I would pull out. Um, Jeremiah 8.8. 8. Jeremiah 8.8. 8. I mean, that that's even... That's... Uh, that's really good evidence that the scribes have changed. Or messed with some part of it. You know, Jeremiah 8.8. 8. How can you say we are wise and the law of God is with us? And behold, the lying pen of the scribes has made it into a lie. So that is, to me, that verse, or this verse, Jeremiah 8.8, 8, is more proof that proof of the errancy of Scripture, more, way more proof of the errancy of Scripture as opposed to Hosea 4.6 being proof of the inerrancy of Scripture. It's pretty clear here that we have the lying pen of the scribes made it into a lie. Brick Train says, if you ask God for something and it comes, does that mean it is a coincidence? Um, well, it, it all depends. I mean, a lot of people, I, I think a lot of people do pray and, it, and, and it does come as a coincidence, but it's not really an answer from God. But on the other hand, I do believe that people do pray and they do actually get answers from God. Um, it, it, it's just all depends on the, um, it all depends on the circumstance. Um, 
you know, and some sometimes they pray for things that will happen anyway, you know. Like, you know, tomorrow I'm going to go out in a, in a big field and uh, and I pray at, at, that within an hour I'll see an airplane flying. Well, you you probably will anyway, unless you're you know, in some remote part of the earth. But um, you can pray for things that will happen anyway, and that would be uh, that's something that. Uh, it's not even a coincidence, actually. It's just something that will it would happen anyway. But coincidences, I guess you could say they would, you know, um, they might, yeah, it doesn't mean that it's an answer to prayer. Titus says, heretic, love you too. All these people showing the love of God, man, I tell you, you just you can't even, can't keep up with it. Okay, um, I don't see anything more that has at, Chris, at Christopher in it, any more questions. So I'm just going to be wrapping it up. Now, tomorrow, I, um, I'm not 100% sure if Will's going to be on with me tomorrow or not, or not. So we'll see. If Will's coming, I will schedule him in. Uh, if not, uh, of course, we'll be back anyways tomorrow. Uh, same time, same place, 7 p.m. Eastern. See, Titus says this, love you too, lies. Yeah, it's just like heretic, right? I mean, you know, um, slandering somebody is one of the worst things you could do according to your Bible, right? Slandering somebody is one of the worst things you could do. It's actually, uh, according to, um, according to, uh, there's a gentleman that I heard, he's Dr. Bob Morey, his name is, and he said that he, according to him, uh, slander is, the, is, is spoken about, uh, spoken against by God more than any other sin in the entire Bible, okay? Um, and so you have committed the sin that God spoke against more than any other sin. If you're slandering, that is not showing people the love of God the way you believe. Titus says, God says, judge righteously. Amen to that. I'm with you on that. I have I have no log in my eye. The thing is, Titus, you're not going to get anywhere coming on to someone else's channel and starting slandering people, okay? You're not going to get anywhere doing that. If you really believe that you have the truth and you really believe that God is calling you to forward that truth to other people and to spread that truth, what you should do is you should prove that if you think I'm a heretic, prove it. Don't just come on like a little three-year-old calling names, okay? Prove it. What is it that you don't agree with and prove it? You don't need to call names. You can just prove it. So Titus, my... My beloved slanderer says these unorthodox belief, beliefs that you hold to, um, to, as in to, well, you hold them to, um, I don't think you even know what orthodox is because our, our focus here is to be as orthodox as possible, meaning going back as far as possible right into the days of the 12 disciples, right into the days of, of the book of Acts, okay? Right back to the book of Acts, especially the first part of the book of Acts, the 12 disciples, Peter, James, 
there, there, you know, in, in the way that the 12 disciples believed and practiced, that's our, that's our focus. Okay. So as, as orthodox as it gets, so saying that it's unorthodox, again, uh, is not true. Uh, it's, as, it's as orthodox as it gets, actually. What sect do they fall under? What sect did Peter and James belong to? It's the same thing. If you were to go back and ask Peter or James, what sect are you guys part of? What, what would they answer? Whatever they would answer is the same as I would answer. Okay? What you need to realize is that your little Paulian modern corrupt Christianity is far removed from the truth. And you think that we are involved in some kind of a lie because that you have you have believed a lie. And so when the truth comes, it's a lie to you. It's like a lie. So you ask what sect, in other words, what, what sect do we are like are we part of? Seriously, I'm trying to find this out. So you're trying to figure it out, yet you are you are calling names and slandering when you don't even know. Well, thank you for admitting that you don't know, but I would not slander. Remember, Jesus said, every idle word will be you will be held accountable for every idle word you speak. And if you speak something against somebody and you're not, you don't know that it's true, just because I said something that goes against your dearly held beliefs doesn't mean, doesn't mean that I'm a liar. Just because I said something that hurts your feelings doesn't mean that I didn't speak the truth. Just because you believed a lie and I hurt that lie because I took a pot shot at your idol doesn't mean that, it's, that, that uh, your, your doctrine is true. So yeah, I really, I would encourage you, Titus, to do more research on it. I would encourage you to do more research into exactly how the 12 disciples believed and lived. I guarantee you they didn't have any churches. Guarantee you they didn't have any New Testament. Guarantee you they didn't go to Paul for advice. Guarantee you. Okay? Use your brains and shut your mouth. Stop slandering and you might learn something. Great Deception says they will call good evil and evil good. 1 John 3, 4, sin is transgression of the law. Absolutely, 100%. Titus says, beloved slanderer, making righteous judgment isn't, isn't slander, man. Well, yeah, it is because it's not righteous. It's wicked judgment because it's not true. Okay? And the fact that you think it's true, it just goes to show how proud you are, how arrogant you are. He said, come on, you're not a fan of getting questioned or called. You're not questioning me. Call, don't I mean calling people names is not calling people out, okay? I mean, I can, you can, little, little two-year-old can go around calling people's names. Does that mean they're calling them out? No. If you want to call me out, again, what you do, you need to do is find out what I believe first. You don't even know what I believe. 
right? You're calling names like a little, little immature little child. Find out what I believe first. Find out if it's true or not. I don't know if you're able to do that. With the arrogance that you have, I don't know if you're able to do that. I don't know, I don't know if you have the capacity to do that. You got to humble yourself and say, you know what? I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I can come to the table and say, I could be wrong. You come to the table and say, I could be wrong. Show your evidence. I'll show my evidence. Titus says, now again, Titus, are you just going by, because you know what? I don't, I usually don't talk to people who have no, no picture in their, in their, in their profile. And are you one of these ones that have no followers and no nothing? You're just, this is just a burner account of somebody who has been butt hurt over something that I said in the past. Is that who you are? You're just somebody who's hiding. I've listened to many of your vids on your teachings. I don't know how, I, I don't, I know enough to know it's a right way. <laughs> well, again, just saying it doesn't prove anything. You're not proving anything. It just You're just proving you're just one butthurt little immature person. That's all you're proving. I only wanted to know the name of your sect. I. It's the same name as James is... The same sect that James, Peter, John, Philip, these people in the book of Acts, the same name of their sect, okay? What do you want to call it? The way? What do you want to call it? What would they say if you asked? It's the same thing. Tomorrow, I'm going to, uh, we'll be back, same time, same place. Jamie, thank you very much, Jamie. I appreciate your super chat. Um, who destroyed the temple? Uh, the Romans did. Jamie says, love you guys. Love you too, Jamie. Yeah, okay. So again, like tomorrow we'll be back. Same time, same place with um, with or without Will. I hope Will is going to be showing up, but we'll see. He hasn't, uh, he hasn't, excuse me, he hasn't confirmed with me yet. So we'll see how it goes. Jamie says, why would God allow it? I, I, you know, you, you see that in the uh, scriptures um, because of sin. Sin, you know. Because of, of of sin, talks about that in the scriptures. Anyway, I know I've been I've been a while here trying to get off here. So um, yeah, I should I got to get uh, running. So I'll see you guys again tomorrow evening, seven p.m. Eastern. Uh, tomorrow Friday. Usually we have a little bit more of a thing uh, going on on Friday. So hopefully you guys can show up again tomorrow. If you're not subscribed or if you're not following, make sure you do so. And um, and we will, uh, and we'll see you then. Caballero says, "Thank you for today's Bible reading. Those little immature kids got nothing." <laughs> Thank you, Caballero. To Yabi the glory says, "Shalom all." Next until next time. Yes, blessings, blessings. All right, guys. I'll talk to you again tomorrow. Until, as, as always, I appreciate you guys. You guys are awesome. Thanks for your questions and your comments in the live chat. I see there's lots of interesting things you guys have been talking about, but unfortunately, I can't get to every comment myself. So again, thanks, guys. You guys are awesome. Blessings multiplied to you guys. As always, I pray that the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you, lift up his countenance upon you, and give you wonderful, wonderful shalom. Amen, amen. See you guys next time.